It's the show the establishment warned you about. That's right. It's the Dr. Tommy Show. We're back again. We're glad you're here. This is the weekend edition, nearly weekend edition of the Dr. Tommy Show. It's Friday, Father's Day this weekend, and this is a weekend that we celebrate fathers. One of the most important uh, figures out there. Uh, Father is first, tied with mother as first, and then the government is nowhere near the top. So those two are the most important people in your life, uh, when you're young at least, and not enough time is given to parents nowadays. Parents are kind of uh, looked upon as kind of feeble people by the mainstream, uh, I guess you call it political establishment, and in relation to the mother and father, I'm sorry, in relation to the government, but really fathers are important and mothers are important, but it's Father's Day. So we're going to talk about fathers and say, for all you people out there who are fathers, happy Father's Day this weekend to you. And for all the people who have had fathers before and who no longer have their father, uh, we know uh, we know how you feel. Fathers are missed. Some fathers are never even in the home, and which is one of the big problems in our society. And like I said, mothers are important too. Uh, when I was a kid, we had a we had a divorced family, and my father used to always uh, think that it was a it was a shame that he was not recognized on Mother's Day because he had he had performed both tasks of mother and father. And so, if you're out there and you're a mother and you're performing the task of the father. Well, happy quasi uh, Father's Day to you, but basically happy Parents Day and happy uh, good for you out there, people who are out there taking care of your children and uh, stepping up. You know, the government is so uh, intrusive in our lives today. I was reading this article about it, and uh, it just is it's just something where we want to say thank you for all those people out there who are doing the best they can to raise their family. Uh, despite all of the sickness that's out there with uh, culture and all the rot that's out there, happy Father's Day and enjoy your day. Uh, this is a broadcasting from the free state of Florida, which we always are happy to do. And yesterday, or a couple of days ago, Ron DeSantis was uh, endorsed in part, kind of, by Elon Musk. Not necessarily endorsed, but uh Somebody on Twitter asked DeSantis, or sorry, Elon Musk, who this might be a good president. And then Ron DeSantis, in a very funny uh, comeback, said that he welcomes Elon Musk's support uh, because he welcomed the support of African-Americans. Uh, as Elon Musk is technically from Africa because he's South African. Uh, well, that understandably set the uh, left ablaze. And uh, it's just hilarious to read some of this stuff. Uh, these people that are, you know, he does this on purpose. He does this so that you can, uh, I don't know why he does it really. It's kind of like what Trump used to do. Trump just does it to stir the pot. And I think he does it to be, to show them that he's on offense. Uh, DeSantis, that is. He's not going to sit back and wait for the media to punch him because he knows they're going to, they know he's, they know he's going to punch him. The media, the left, same thing, really. And he knows they're going to punch him, and he's going to he's going to punch when he can, just to keep him honest. And uh, <laughs> some of the things that people, uh, some people have uh, said here, uh, it says uh, the governor, uh, Mr. DeSantis, has been accused of sign, signing gerrymandering legislation, cutting back on the power of black voters. He has signed a law banning the discussion of gender identity and sexuality in some classrooms in the state. Uh, so they're just basically saying that Trump's or I'm sorry, DeSantis is a bad guy for doing this. And I think it's hilarious that he's able to get out there and just 
uh, just stick it in them and just just annoy them and uh, that's something you have to do when you're when you're a target like DeSantis is like anybody who's trying to stand up for uh, things that are not of the left you're going to be a target and I think it's funny that he was able to stick it just a little bit into him a little bit and just agitate him a little bit and get him all fired up uh, it says here this is a Twitter user says this is a middle finger and a spit into the face of all black people in America it really shows what MAGA thinks about black people does it really? Because he said that Elon Musk is an African-American. That really shows how DeSantis feels about black people. It's funny how people, they presume to talk for all black people as if they were uh, you know, some monolithic group. I bet you more white liberals were incensed about that than black people. I honestly believe, honestly believe that as a percentage, all uh, comers who are incensed about that, I guarantee, I think, as a percentage, more white liberals were incensed about that and than was black people. Uh, anyway, so they uh, this is a Dow Jones yesterday was dropping like a rock. rock. I already believe we're in a recession, according to damning new poll. And this was a YouGov poll. It said 56% overall believe we're in a recession. So we can't tell if we're in a recession yet because we haven't had the numbers that show we're in a recession. But people think that we are in a recession. And a recession is when you have two consecutive quarters of negative growth. And we haven't had any negative growth growth yet, but it's it's predicted that we will be. And uh, it's really predicted that it's going to maybe be a, a bad recession or, as Donald Trump said, a depression. But uh, this is something that's interesting because at the same time they have this, it says overall 56% of uh, Republicans, I'm sorry, overall believe that we're in a recession, 70% of Republicans, 56% of de independents, 45% of Democrats, 53% of black voters, and 47% of Hispanic voters. That's pretty interesting. It's 1,500 adults. So this is uh, bad news for uh the status quo party, which is the Democrat party, because they're the ones in charge right now. And as the economy goes, so goes the ruling classes, uh, political fortunes. And uh, we'll see what happens. It, it may not be such a landslide as we think there will be, even even if there is um, a landslide victory for Republicans in the fall. It may not mean much a hill of beans, because the honest truth is, is when Republicans get in the office, there's not a whole lot different that they do. Here and there, you'll see differences, especially in a state like Florida, where if it wasn't for Ron DeSantis being here, we would have probably been at, gone the way of Michigan and every other lockdown state in the union and uh, been suffering for uh, two years now and on lockdowns. But we are not. We are luckily. We, so in that case, a Republican changed it. And it wasn't so much as a Republican as a, he's a he's just a solid guy that stands up for the rights of individuals. And that's the main thing about the government and should do is defend the rights of the minorities and the smallest minority is the individual. But anyway, so uh, but here we are. So this is a 800 point drop yesterday. You, everybody knows has a 401k if you take a look at it, if you're if you're brave enough that it's it's being hammered um but yesterday or a couple of days ago this was in the washington times it says white house says oil companies have a patriotic that's to me i was i was listening earlier to clay and buck and they were saying so here's this here's this white house that says the oil companies need to increase production at the same time Jennifer Granholm, who is the energy secretary, who is uh, on TV, is saying that 
yes, they need to increase production so we can lower prices. At the same time, they asked her if she's going to, what about in the future? Do you think oil should be drilled in the future? And she says, no. She says, no, we need to transition away from oil, as is the talking point of all the administrations. We need to transition from oil to clean energy, whatever the hell that means. Clean energy, is, if you really get down to it, means driving electric cars in these people's minds. Well, have you ever looked at what it takes to get uh, the, the minerals from the earth to make a battery that powers your electric vehicle that you call clean? It ain't pretty. It ain't pretty. Uh, if you want to watch, you can watch some videos on YouTube about it. And it's, it's pretty uh, hellacious. What it, lo it looks like actually hell on earth, the mining that they have to do to get these, um, get these uh, elements from the earth to make these lithium batteries and things like that. But, uh, but yeah, they, they, they're complaining now that the oil companies haven't produced enough and that they're, they're, mean, they're holding back on purpose. And the oil companies went out and said, look, you're crazy. If you think we're going to invest in infrastructure now, if we could, to, uh, to increase oil production, why in the hell would we do that when in a few years you're promising to shut us down? They ran on the whole idea, Biden ran on the whole idea of shutting down fossil fuel industry. Every time he was asked about it, he's, he was going to stop fracking on federal lands. He, he was going to do whatever it took to make sure coal-fired plants weren't available. And like I said, if you think that clean energy means driving an electric car, uh, well, unless it comes from a windmill or uh, some other uh, solar panel, it's probably going to come from some type of fossil fuel. And we know for sure that they don't like nuclear energy, which is a very clean, safe energy. So uh, it's either land, uh, windmills, solar panels, or fossil fuels that's going to power your electric cars. And windmills themselves, if you watch the documentary, Planet of the Humans, are not a very nice thing for the environment. But uh, that just shows you how far out of touch they are. In the meantime, you and I are paying uh, $5 a gallon at the pump at least, or nearly. And some people are paying much more than that. And uh, I paid $84 this morning. So <laughs> that's it. That's the idiocy of them. Uh, the... Uh, but that that's just something that we have to, that we have to think about when you go to the polls this um this November is say, what is it that we're going to be able to do here with our, our vote to maybe, maybe, maybe make things a little bit uh, bearable for the future. Um, this is, this is, this is an Exxon mobile statement regarding president Biden's letter to the oil industry. So this is dovetailing off that. And this is just an excerpt. This comes from uh, Eric Nuttle on Twitter. And he posted this and he says, this is from Exxon mobile statement regarding president Biden letter to oil industry. And this is what they said. Uh, they said, we kept investing in even during the pandemic when we lost more than 20 billion and we had to borrow more than 30 billion to maintain investment to increase capacity to be ready for the post pandemic demand. It says uh, longer term government can promote investment and through clear and consistent policy that supports U.S. resource development, such as regular and predictable lease sales, as well as streamlined regulatory approval and support for infrastructure, such as pipelines. They can get more oil production, but they're not going to do that if 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 they're going to be demonized in the next election cycle, which is exactly what's going to happen. Uh, exactly what's going to happen. They would like the uh, the the. Uh, Democrats would like for the oil companies to spend a lot of money, get up to speed, drop the uh, drop the price of oil and therefore gas just in time for the election. And then when the election happens, uh, bye bye. And it's back to the old song and dance of uh, shutting down fossil fuels. This is uh, from a Federalist. It says study from former secretary Treasury secretaries finds inflation is much worse than the government claims. 
Even though inflation has reached 40-year highs, topping out at 8.6% for the months of May, some took minor solace in the fact that prices haven't increased at the rates haven't increased at the rates seen during the Jimmy Carter era. But one influential analyst thinks that solving skyrocketing prices will require nearly as much effort and quite possibly economic pain as breaking the back of inflation did in the 70s and 80s. So if you remember, or if you don't remember, I don't remember because I wasn't old enough, but there was a big recession that happened in the uh, early 80s and late 70s in order to cure inflation. And my dad, speaking of fathers, was one of the people that was left or was uh, part of that recession because he was laid off from his job. And this is this idea that the inflation is actually worse than the numbers is probably what everybody has been feeling because it says that the 8% inflation is 8.6 for the percent or per, for the month of May. Uh, that's 8.6% since last year compared to last over from May to May. But you and I can both know that when we go to the store, it's a lot more than that. And um, so this is a, uh, this is the, uh, like I was talking about before, this is the, some of the coming things we have to worry about is what's going to happen when the, the price of borrowing goes up so high that people cannot uh, borrow money to get a house. And what happens to the people who can't get a house in the, in the community that you live in where they work? How are they going to live there? And then what's going to happen to those people who are um, have credit card debt that is just going to go up and up and up and up? What's going to happen... Um, when this cycle happens and if it's like it happened in the seventies with stagflation where you have weak growth, high unemployment and uh, high inflation all at the same time, that's bad news. And I hope it doesn't come to that, but I really don't know what's going to bring us out of it. Cause it's almost like if you've pushed a car off the side of a hill and it's starting to pick up speed and you then you decide, well, I want to stop it. Well, it, it might not be able to be stopped. Uh, this is uh, information about the uh, Justice Department. This is from Justin News. It says, Justice Department must decide if it will seek death penalty for Buffalo shooter, says Judge. Well, this is a hard uh, thing for them to understand, I guess. This is the guy who shot up the people in the supermarket in Buffalo. And it was a 18-year-old man accused in a racially motivated mass shooting in Buffalo that led to the deaths of 10 black people. And so this guy is facing 26 counts of hate crimes and firearms offenses and criminal complaint from the department. Uh, it says the grand jury has not returned an indictment, nor has accused enter a plea. But they have to figure out pretty soon if they're going to pursue the death penalty. And um, th th here's, here's what they say. Magistrate Kenneth Schrader has determined an initial hearing that Gerdon, who's Gerdron, who is the shooter, qualifies to be represented by a federal public defender. And it says the judge points out because the death penalty, the case is a death penalty case, taxpayers will pay a steeper fee for Gendron's legal defense. And he says, I also have an obligation to the taxpayers of this country to conserve and preserve as much as reasonably possibly their assets. Uh, so here's the thing. Uh, we we don't know if the uh, federal government is going to seek death penalty ca uh, charges against this guy. And it says that I hope the Department of Justice will undertake steps that will bring about a quick decision. They said that last year that they had a guy that they were going to try for the death penalty. And then the uh, Department of Justice decided not to. And uh, it cost them a lot of money. If this is the reason, though, I mean, this guy's a mass shooter of 
people, if, if there's not someone who's ripe for the death penalty, then who isn't? I mean, if this guy can't meet the eligibility requirements for the death penalty, then who in the world could possibly? This guy's a stone-cold murderer that uh, slaughtered people, wantonly, uh, white supremacist, and uh, the, then they're going to say, well, we don't know if he should get the death penalty or not. This is outrageous. If, if this is not a death penalty case, then there really isn't. Um, there really isn't a case for death penalty ever. Uh, let's see here. This is more, uh, this is more news about, uh, your, your country and your culture. It says George Washington university dumps colonial mascot for not being inclusive. George Washington university is from Breitbart. George Washington university officials have decided to remove the school's colonial mascot following years of woke activists demanding the university ban it for not being inclusive. Students have suggested the university change its mascot to a hippo or a river horse instead. What does that mean? So I guess suddenly now this, this mascot, I don't know what's not inclusive about a guy who's uh, dressed as a colonial uh, person. I wasn't around during the colonial times, so I don't take offense to the fact that they're using a colonial person. Uh, I presume, you know, all of us that are still alive, none of us were alive during the colonial. So I don't know how it's not inclusive. Um, we all came from colonies, uh, all the states that is. Uh, not everyone was here, obviously, when the uh, started off, the families. But uh, why this is a... a, a controversial i'm not even sure but the really controversial thing is is that what they want to end up doing is probably just getting rid of george washington in general because he is uh uh he's not he's not really um doesn't fit in with today's uh, understanding of what what needs to be uh inclusive because he's a white european or well, white european descent and as we know that's uh, persona non grata okay so that's just more stuff uh, to uh, say, well, we're on the right track or the wrong track as a country when we're worried about the mascots at George Washington University. Um, there's this uh, article that I wanted to read that was about uh, the um, the um, immunizations. They have childhood immunizations now that are planned uh, for children six months to five years. And so this is something that they're wanting to uh, start. And actually, every state in the union is 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 going to promote these, except for Florida. So there you go again. Uh, so Florida is not partaking or promoting the shots for children because they say there's not enough evidence that these these shots are are helpful, and there is not enough evidence to show what is the possible risk of the shots. As we all know, the shots can give you myocarditis and pericarditis, especially if you're from 18 to 25 and a male. But uh, there, there's a concern here from some people that maybe the uh, vaccines for the for the little children haven't aren't aren't going to take effect the way that they'd like because uh, just poor messaging. This is a this is a from the Atlantic. So the Atlantic is a uh, oh, what do you call it? Uh, I guess you call it far left, since that's what they call everything that's not not uh, left on uh on the internet they call it far far right so breitbart's considered far right everything is considered far right that's not basically the uh, atlanta journal constitution or new york times so i'm gonna go ahead and call the atlantic far left atlantic even though m most people would say well that's that's not that's not what it is it is far left it's owned by uh well basically owned by steve jobs uh widow she bought it but it says vaccines for the little kids have already flopped this is by Catherine wu 
It says COVID vaccines for infants and adults or sorry, infants and toddlers are stalling and stumbling even before they've left the gate. It says when Kinshana Tyler Taylor enrolled her three-year-old son, John in preschool last fall, she figured COVID-19 immunizations for kids under five would arrive before the start of classes. Since then, she has delivered fraternal twins now almost six months old, and there's still no vaccines for her kids. After John caught the coronavirus, he and his siblings had to duel with the virus entirely unprotected, a reality that Taylor, Taylor, a virologist at Rutgers, never wanted them to face. The only reason we put John in public school was because we thought he was getting a vaccine, she's told me. I would have made different decisions if we had known this was going to be put off this long. So I guess the idea here is that if, if her children had been vaccinated, then maybe they wouldn't have had such a bad time with the coronavirus. But it doesn't say what happened to them. I'm not going to fault her for doing whatever she wanted. She felt like was important for her, uh, for her children. But that's that's kind of the mentality of this article is that if you don't get the vaccine and your children get coronavirus, then it's really bad news. So further on down there, they talk about there's this there's this doctor who works in a community where there is a predominantly uh, brown and black people. And the, the way that they talk about parents who decide not to give their children um, the vaccine is very telling on how what they think about uh, the mentality or uh, the, uh, cognition or intelligence of those of those uh, parents. And it's 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 a little degrade um, what's it? It's discriminatory, I think, the way that they think about it. Um, this is a doctor. This is a pediatrician in Maryland named Sanjeev Shuram. It says, but while a lot of families trust other vaccines on the traditional vaccine schedule, they're skeptic of COVID vaccines. Says Sanjeev Shuram, a pediatrician in Maryland, where he treats a predominantly low-income Black and Latino patient population. Some parents are vaccinated against COVID and still balk at dosing their young kids with a shot hurtled through a program nicknamed Warp Speed, which Shuram told me sounds like a euphemism for, quote, unvetted for unvetted and totally rushed. The vaccine, marketed as free and ultra effective, also feels like a suspicious departure from many of his patients' typical experiences with healthcare. They're like, where have you been with the free helpful stuff before, Shuram said, as if families are worried there's a catch. Uh, well, maybe families are, are kind of smarter than you think. And the, the idea that because he treats a predominantly low-income black and Latino population, the fact that they're skeptical is a, is is a, maybe it's just a sign that they're uh, they're thinking about it a little bit more than you did or in a different way than you did. And just because they think about it differently doesn't mean that um, they need to be uh, called out for their, um, I guess, the, the way they make it sound like is that these people don't know what they're doing. It says, um, with time, the conversations have only gotten more fraught. Shuresh Bopana, a pediatric infectious disease specialist in Alabama, the state with the lowest rate of COVID vaccine uptake among 5 to 11-year-olds, told me that in some cases, the family he's worked with, even some of his colleagues, are so against vaccinating their kids, they refuse to partake in discussions at all. They just don't, want, they just don't even want to engage, he told me. Uh... I think this vaccine, uh, what you call it, big lie, I think you call it the vaccine big lie, is that the vaccines are going to be the one thing that's going to bring us out of um, this this catastrophe that we've been in economically and socially for the last two years. And the vaccine is going to be a medical, medical miracle for you. Uh, this is not what this is not what 
anybody's experience has shown. This is not what any data has shown. The data is clear on the fact that if you have the vaccine, the chances of you getting COVID, uh, I don't know that there's any any studies that show that, I, I don't know, I'll just put it this way. From what you can see in your daily life, have you met anybody who's been vaccinated, who has COVID, who who is surprised now that they've had COVID. I think at this point, everybody understands who's vaccinated that the likelihood of you getting COVID is pretty good. Uh, the likelihood of getting COVID if you're unvaccinated is also pretty good. COVID is here to stay. The COVID vaccines that were sold as a, a way to stop the COVID transmission were a big lie. And all of this associated de- uh, demonization of parents and uh, people and the politicization of it is all part of the big lie of the COVID vaccine that it's going to be the, the thing that's going to save us. And it's not, and it can't. And, uh, you know, nothing's, nothing's more clear about that than the other day when, uh, Dr. Fauci was in there, uh, in his, his, uh, home, I guess he was giving testimony remotely because he was infected with COVID. He's had all of his boosters. He's had all the shots and he was in there talking with, uh, Rand Paul and Rand Paul asked him very simply, do you have any studies you meaning the, the government that says that giving your child a COVID vaccine will prevent death or hospitalization? And, and the answer was no, the studies that they've done to promote, to, uh, to approve these vaccines on an emergency use basis uh, show that people developed uh, an antibody response to the protein that was to the mRNA that was injected to them. So they got injected with mRNA that developed antibodies. There we go. Ipso facto. Then the, 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 the uh, vaccine was then approved for that group of people. And Rand Paul asked a very good question. He said, Okay, so you've said now that we've given these children a injection of mRNA and they developed antibodies to it. If you give a, a, if you proceed to give these injections, let's say you give a hundred injections, and on the hundredth injection they still developed antibodies, does that mean then that the, they're developing an immune response that's helpful and that we should then approve it? And of course, Fauci said that's ridiculous. No one's doing that. But it's well, no one's doing that because we're not there yet. We're only on uh, two years in this and we've got four shots now. What happens in two more years? And uh, so the idea that the, the vaccine, which is approved now on emergency use basis, it should somehow be used to continue to denigrate parents who decide not to get vaccines or otherwise separate people uh, based on their decisions is, is, is uh, I don't know how, how it can hold any water anymore. Okay. More work woke news. This is uh, from Breitbart. It says Miss Universe insists not all people who menstruate are women. Miss Universe is claiming that not all women, no, not all who menstruate are women and shared inclusive language guidelines to its Twitter account, instructing the public to say people have periods, not women. Uh, this is a, uh, this is, this is something that if, if, if you really look at it in uh, I don't know, honest way, this is the destruction of feminism to say that women are not the ones who have periods. People have periods. It's eliminating women from the discussion. It's basically taking a woman and her identity and things that make a woman, a woman and saying that they don't matter. 
whatever a woman is, is whatever we choose to say on this particular day. And now it's been to the point where Miss Universe is tasked with talking to us about what uh, a woman is and what a woman is not. And it says, meanwhile, biological males are increasingly dominating spheres that once belonged to biological women. Last year, Cataluna Enriquez, a biological male who identifies as a woman, won the title of Miss Nevada USA and went on to become the first ever transgender Miss USA contestant. Women's beauty pageants are not the only place biological males are beginning to conquer. Transgender models Valentina Sampaio and Lena Bloom, Lena Bloom have both appeared in Sports Illustrated's annual swimsuit issue. Uh, now celebrity big brother star and transgender model Jessica Alves is trying to be on the cover of Playboy. Those, those are, those are kind of, you know, pop culture type things. And, but the reality is, is if you have a kid out there, who's a, um, trying to excel as a, uh, in a sport, a, a, a child, a, f- a female child, then they're going to have to compete against biological males. And that's really, again, taking away from what is special for them. Uh, how, how, what if you're, you know, what if your child has worked and worked and worked, played softball, gone all to the camps and everything. And then suddenly a biological male decides, uh, that he is going to become a woman and has all of the advantages that biologically that the, a, a man has, or a male has. And then your child has been all this effort in just, uh, just by the wayside because they're going to not be able to compete. That's just a way to, it's just showing that this transgender movement is in many ways the, the not, not the whole transgender movement, not every transgender person, but I'm saying the, the, the transgender activist movement, the ones that seek to uh, make sure that everyone believes exactly the way they believe, no matter how extreme it is, not the people who say, Oh, I, I want to be a, a female or I'm a male and I want to be a female and I'm a, or I'm a male and I want to be a female. The people who want to change their uh, gender identity or their gender through surgery or otherwise, who they just feel like that's more comfortable for them. That's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who are out here promoting uh, the cancellation of people who do not agree with them that not all women, menstru- not all people who menstruate are women. Uh, those those types of ideas and those who say that it, it doesn't matter if this person has got a lot of physical advantages over the other women uh, and they're really a biological male, they they identify as a woman. They should be allowed to compete and dominate. Those people are destroying what is uh, regarded historically as feminism. And that's what's gotten um, that's what's gotten uh, the uh, the the author who wrote uh, Harry Potter Harry Potter stories in trouble blanking on her name right now but anyway she's in hot water been in hot water because of that uh, this is a little sad news this is Brian Stelter this is a report from Gateway Pundit Brian Stelter down to weeks if not days left at CNN and it says is CNN's resident hot potato on the chopping block too this is a picture at home and it says Brian Stelter is down to not down to days, if not weeks, or weeks, if not days left at CNN. They go on to say he is everything that reminds the new owners of the Zucker era, and they desperately want to get past. <laughs> uh, says Stelter is reportedly causing problems and stirring discontent within the ranks. This guy, if he goes by the wayside, my prediction is maybe that's the end of his career and you'll never, ever see him again. Because the CNN that was under Jeff Zucker 
the CNN that was a low-rated, uh, underperforming, but highly political CNN that was an economic failure, that when Discovery uh, joined forces with Warner Brothers through their merger said, we do not want to have anything to do with this kind of content. They canceled CNN+. Plus. They're trying to maybe right the ship and maybe maybe make it profitable, at least if not profitable, uh, at least if not dominating, at least uh at least a, a competent competitive to Fox news. Um, they want to, they want to move past this guy. And this guy is a reminder, this guy, uh, Brian Stelter is one of the funniest people I've ever, ever seen. And it would be a shame not to ever see him again on TV. Uh, particularly the, uh, comedy that he provides through the Mark Dice videos on YouTube. But, Either way, if he does go, then it's just one of those things that we have to get of and we'll have to move on and we'll have to find somebody else to make fun of. Again, thank you for uh, joining us. If you want to go to drtommy.com slash podcast to see more of our uh, podcasts. And again, to the fam, uh, fathers out there, happy Father's Day and uh, enjoy your day and enjoy being a father and uh, enjoy having a, a family and taking care of your family because that's what causes our society to be able to stay functional and hopefully move past all the tor- turmoil that we're having uh, socially and economically as intact families and fathers are fundamental to that. Mothers are fundamental to that. And in those those families where they can't have a mother and a father, whatever it is that you're trying to do your best those people who are responsible and care for their families that's what's going to get us through this as intact families and that will that will deliver us hopefully through all the hard times that we may be going through so uh, have a good weekend until next time bye bye